Broadcasting live from the Delta Media Studios in Upper Lafayette. Two hours of sports talk like none other. Footnotes with your host, Kevin Foote. Welcome into Footnotes. Kevin Foote on the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. We Also, you can watch us on the simulcast, Stadium 32.3 and 133 on LUS Fiber. The game hotline is 706-0111, 706-0111. Not going to be as much, <coughs> as much time or as many opportunities to call in. This is a segment you would like, uh, you can call in, but... Most of the show going to be a lot of interviews and talking about things other than the NFL draft, which is probably a good thing because we are now down to two days. It's going to be a long, well, I'll say 48 hours. I don't know. It's not 48 hours. It's more like um, probably about 50 hours. I don't know. I haven't actually mapped that out, but somewhere around 50 hours away from the start of the NFL draft, and we'll be talking about that a little bit today, but not as much. We'll be um, getting a recap of the LSU spring game with Tim Buckley in the next segment, and then um, we're going to have fun with our old friend Lewis in the 10 o'clock hour. So um, if you would like to get in, comment on the draft or the NBA or Major League Baseball or anything, you would like to do uh, discuss uh, the first segment of each hour is going to be the best opportunity to do that. And again, the game hotline is 706-0111. I watched a little bit as much as I could stomach flipping through today. Do any of y'all ever watch the NFL Network? Now I'm talking about like this morning show they have. I just don't get one. Look, we, we like to – we're not totally serious here all the time. Like, we talk about Pop-Tarts and food, and I like to do nicknames. Of course, most of my nicknames have a very – make a statement. I mean, there's something to them. It's not just total silliness, but it's somewhat silly, I guess, in the minds of some people, giving people nicknames. But, um, I mean, this this show – this. NFL now, do NFL, I just don't get it. Now, look, they probably have good ratings, or why would they do it that way? I don't know, but, I mean, they're just so over-the-top silly. I can only stomach it in very small doses. And today, they're doing this mock draft. Now, look, I understand that mock drafts are a total guess, especially this year. But to me, like, they, they did a mock draft, and they had the Saints picking Evan Neal at 16. I mean, this is the NFL network. Like, this isn't like some podcast from Asia or something. This is the NFL network. It's the NFL draft. And these bozos have Evan Neal going 16 to the Saints. Like, I just, I don't get it. I just, I just don't get it. 
All right, let's go to the game hotline. Hello. Hey, Foot Martin, how you doing this morning? Good, sir. I just wanted to see how you were doing this morning. I know your Astros lost to the hated uh, Rangers. Well, you know, I I wish someone would tell the Astros the season started. It'd be nice to score a few runs every once in a while. It could be a lot worse. You could have had uh, that that clown Angel Hernandez uh, umpiring the game. That's why I was calling. uh, I don't know if you had a chance to see, but Sunday night he umpired probably which was the worst umpired game that I've seen in a long time between, uh, uh, I think it was the Phillies and the and the Brewers. Uh, Milwaukee the, Brewers. I don't yeah. know if you had seen, if you caught a glimpse of that game, but man, he was. Did Did you see that game? I, did I you happen to catch some glimpses of it? I didn't see the game, but I heard the uproar, and I went back and watched some of the little clips, the twittered out clips of some of the bad calls he makes, and yeah, he he he's bad. Now last night, the Astros had a triple A um fill in a fill in triple A umpire behind the plate. I didn't think he was very good either, but he wasn't as bad as Angel Hernandez. So I agree with you there. Yeah, I mean, uh, he was calling strikes. Uh, one, of, I mean, one of the the batters for the Milwaukee Brewers, he called a strike three. It was all the way out of his shoulder. I mean, it was just horrendous, man. I mean, and and I got a which leads me to a question for you. Do you? Um, Eventually, see the MLB cracking down on their 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 umpires, like maybe suspensions or something uh, for bad calls. I mean, I know uh, Rob Manfred is probably the worst MLB commissioner of all time, but I think it's past time that like uh, umpires start, you know, fending for their actions. You know, and then I seen a little video clip. This cat was leaving the the stadium, and they had I don't know if it was a Phillies fan or a Milwaukee's Brewers fan, he's yelling at the, the guy um, pulling out in his little blue SUV, and the guy got a big old smile on his face. So I mean, I mean, something has to be done because these bad calls are gonna end up costing a team a game that they really need. You know, I mean, you know, he if, if he's players, really bad. He's really bad. And you know what? I don't look. I I I get bad. I get angry about calls, especially balls and strikes as well. But the real yes, issue sir. is if this continues, they're going to put that automated strike zone, and I, I don't know. It just seems yes, like sir. it's not going to be the same to me. But uh, guys like Angel Hernandez are speeding up that process. You're correct. Yes, sir. But how do accurate you think that's going to be, though, like the, the automated stuff? How much problems do you think that's going to cause? Well, there's going to be some issues, but they'll miss, it'll miss fewer calls than the than the umpire, the actual umpires make. I, I, I believe that, yeah. Right, right. And, uh, that's all I want to touch on. And it could be worse. Hannah could have picked the New York Yankees as her favorite MLB <laughs> team, you know, since they like throwing trash on the field. And yeah. I think it's past time that uh, they stop worrying about the Astros banging on trash cans and uh, use those trash cans to throw their trash in and not on the field, you know. <laughs> Thanks for the call, sir. Thank you. All right, buddy. Have a good one. All right. No, I mean, I, you know, last night was just frustrating just because you had a chance early on to, to, you know, put up a crooked number and Castro hits a ball and it's a foot foul down the line. And, of course, when that happens, oh, you know, I say, oh, he's going to strike out on the next pitch. And, of course, he struck out on the next pitch. I mean, it just 
it just seems to happen all the time. You hit a home run foul or you hit a shot like that foul with runners in scoring position, and the next pitch you just strike out. No, they got their whole team is not hitting. Yuli's starting to hit a little bit. Um, Bregman's been off and on pretty good, uh, but everyone else is just fighting it big time. Brantley most of the time has pretty good at bats, but uh, no, it's been it it's been a struggle to score runs and. You know, they're going to come out of it. I'm not really worried. It's so early, but it's just like, all right, enough. And like I said, I've been worried about the Rangers since the season started, and they're going to play the Astros tough. Uh, They obviously have not done a good job against everybody else, but it it doesn't take a great pitching performance to get the Astros out right now because they're all swinging the ball like it's, you know, they're still in spring training. And that's what's so frustrating. That's why I don't put any stock in spring training. Like, Yuli was on fire in spring training. Now, he's starting to hit. You know, I think he got three more hits last night. But he's starting to hit. But, I mean, for, for the first two weeks, he didn't do anything. And, um... And he was on fire in spring training. So that stuff doesn't mean anything. Doesn't mean anything. It, I, You know, obviously it's incredibly early, but I don't like losing to the Rangers anytime. And uh, I, right now I'm still in just don't get swept mode. I, I'd like to win two out of four in, on, on, on the, in this series. I don't know if that's going to happen. Framber pitched better last night, but still he's, he falls behind in too many counts. I don't know. He 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 looks like he's having a ball out there. He's got a great attitude. His team all love him, but but it's almost like man, just throw strikes, throw a few more strikes. But um, overall, he pitched fine last night. Six innings, no earned runs. Um, they're just not scoring runs. It's just that simple. They're just not. And hope and you know it's gonna come. It's just win, <laughs> win. So we'll, uh, they got a lot of road. The good thing is if they can avoid sweeps, they're, they got their heavy road games. The problem is they're, they're normally such a good road team. I don't know if playing at home is all that great. They came home and couldn't hardly win a game. But they got a lot of home games coming up, so hopefully they can, um, you know, well, they got a lot of road games on this stretch, but once this ends, that means they'll have a lot of home games, you know, the last three quarters of the season. But one, you got to play well at home. And hopefully they don't always do that. To be fair, they so a lot very often, uh, including the big 2017 bang on the trash cans at home, th- you know, silliness that everyone keeps talking about. They were a much better hitting team on the road than they were at home that year. Um, but um, yeah, no, it's not. It's never fun to lose to the Rangers. It's not fun to lose any time, but especially to the Rangers, and hopefully uh, they start hitting fairly soon. All right, before we get to our first timeout, I want to point out there's lots of high school sports going on. We don't talk probably enough high school sports on this show, especially we will once the NFL draft is over. Probably talk about a lot more other things. But anyway, uh, lots of high school baseball um, today around the area as, as long as the rain cooperates. Uh, first round baseball playoff action. Acadiana hosts today. If you would like to, to go to a game at four, Norfamilian hosts Westgate at six. You got Rain hosting uh, Franklin Parish at six. Brobridge hosting Salmon at six today. 
Uh, Karen Crow hosting Warren Easton today at 4 o'clock. Kaplan, no, that was yesterday. Uh, let's see. Erath hosting Booker T. Washington today at 5. Lauraville hosting Lake Arthur today at 5. And then obviously you've got this weekend with, um, what, seven Acadiana area teams playing in the state softball. Also track and field regional week going on today, uh, this afternoon at UL, the 6-2A meet with Lafayette Christian, and then the um, the 1A regional meet, not the 6-2A meet, but the, two, the 2A regional meet, including 6-2A, and then the uh, 1A meet, regional meet is at New Iberia this afternoon, so hopefully the weather holds off so that all, the, all those high school games can take place. All right, and meets. All right, we will take a timeout. When we come back, shift gears Get a report from LSU spring game this weekend. We previewed it with Tim. We'll see what he thought after he watched it. Next on the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. The guys here in the game dugout love baseball. It was the game that was passed down to them by their fathers. Hey, Dad. catch i'd like that not all of them had such heartwarming moments this guy threw at his own kid in a father's son game now back to more baseball talk here on the game 1037 lafayette and 1041 lake charles southwest louisiana's sports station Welcome back to Footnotes. Kevin Foot on the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Before we get to an announcement and our special guest, want to kind of give an update for what I was saying right before the break. The Crowley-Kaplan game yesterday, as I'm informed, was rained out last night, so they actually will play tonight. So add Crowley at Kaplan, 6 o'clock tonight, to that baseball, um, to that list of baseball playoff home games Today, I want to remind you the Greater Acadiana Heart Walk will take place on Saturday at River Ranch. Festivities begin at 8 a.m. And the non-competitive walk begins at 9.15. Again, I'm an old fat guy who's never been in shape. But for a fat guy who's never been in shape, I walk pretty fast most of the time. Uh, For more information, visit greateracadianaheartwalk.org or contact Donna Ashcraft at Donna.Ashcraft at Heart.org. All right, we have with us, we interviewed him as he tells me. I don't know that I even realized that for the first time in 11 years last week, so now we might as well do it again. Mr. Tim Buckley of Tiger Rag, how are you, sir? I'm good. Two in two weeks. This is, this is stupendous. <laughs> um, so... So if you and I were to walk in the non-competitive portion of the event, but we had a little wager between us on who would finish first, do we have to elevate ourselves to the competitive portion? Yeah, I would I would think so, yes. I would vote um, yes. Okay, We'd... well, in either division, I would probably get stomped by you. So <laughs> let's, let's think about that for next yeah, year. Yeah, we <laughs> All right, so the spring game, obviously – was it kind of what you thought, or did you get a little more out of it football-wise and what to expect than, than maybe you thought you were going to get? 
Well, I, I think it was as expected. Um, it's the spring game. They never show anything in spring games. Um, and this, it was especially the case in this spring game. I mean, Brian Kelly said afterwards, we ran like one coverage in maybe two different defensive fronts. Um, how much more basic does it get than that? Um, so yeah, look, you're not gonna, you're not gonna show anything anyway. Um, cause you know, the films out there and all this stuff, it's actually getting repeated on SEC network, uh, couple times this week and um um yeah you, you got uh some bland football with very creative uh clock keeping uh our friend tom brown would be real happy with the running clock in the uh <laughs> in the second half which they had to do to keep it in the two-hour time window um they 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 said it was going to be like you know real real game in the first half uh in terms of how they kept the clock and everything except for the special teams, and they did, except for, like, the last two minutes and 20-some seconds, which they just decided, you know what, we're not going to play this. Um, So it was what you would expect for a spring game. All right, so obviously we talk quite a bit about the quarterbacks, and anytime it's going to be that way for the Cajuns and the Tigers this this when we get to August. Anytime you don't have a definite number one quarterback, then that's going to be the the you know the top of the list of conversations. Before we get to probably who's going to start, what were your impressions of Walker Howard? Oh, I mean he's he's like so far beyond his years. It's not funny. Um, and to consider what that kid, you know, went through with, you know, the, the fractured fibula, I guess it was during the season that he came back from way quicker than expected. And then he had some thumb surgery uh, uh, prior to camp and um, but was ready to go from day one. And then you factor in the fact that, like, he should be getting ready for his prom or I don't know if they've had an STM or not instead of doing this. And then to think that he was right there in the mix. Yeah, he absolutely held his own. Now, look, is he in the conversation for the starting job? No. Has he clearly run as kind of the number four um, behind those other three guys? Uh, uh, Yeah, absolutely. Um, But is the buzz about him that there's a potential for something special in the making uh, when you look at him? Yeah, absolutely. Because, you know, I wonder how that – now, you see, in that in LSU's case, it, you you know, you're talking about seniors and experience. So you could see that how in a year or two he could be in line. But if your starter is going to be a really young player, that, to me that really complicates it. Like they could have – I mean, I don't know where Nussmar fits into this. And I think the quarterback position is the one where the whole transfer portal that many of us hate kind of makes a little sense sometimes. Well, it does. And, you know, I think what a lot of people have gone to is um, nobody wants to name a quarterback coming out of the spring because they fear if they do, they'll lose their number two to the portal. So they kind of, whether it's really the case or not, they kind of stretched out into fall camp or at least in some cases lead those guys to believe that it's, that it's you know, still up for grabs heading into fall camp. But I think in this case, it's the definite reality here. I mean, I, I – even Brian Kelly says, you know, they, they probably had more questions than they had afterward than they had going in. Um, it's, 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 it's still muddled. I mean, as, as, as I wrote, you know, they, 
They don't have a quarterback controversy, but they may have a little bit of a quarterback mess because there's no telling who it is. I, I think they brought in Jaden Daniels out of the portal with the idea it was it was going to be him. In fairness to him, you know, he 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 showed up late and really had to, you know, transition quick, but he hasn't had that great a spring, and he didn't look all that sharp in, in the spring game. Um they talked Miles Brennan into taking himself out of the portal and 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 staying. And I think that Kelly really likes the fact um, that he doesn't make mistakes. He's got a a, a, a super accurate arm. Um, he's only around for one more year, so um, you know it's 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 now or never for him. And I think he approached the spring like that. Um, but you have the Jaden Daniels factor, and if you if you if 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 you name Miles Brennan as your guy, you know you're not going to be able to run the full offense that that maybe you you would ideally want to if you had somebody more mobile like like uh, like Jaden Daniels, and and you maybe wouldn't be able to integrate the running backs quite as much as you would if you if you go with with somebody like like Jaden Daniels, um, and and then Miles Brennan had. You know, an okay spring game. You know, nothing stellar, but Nussmeyer had a super spring game, and I think it was a two-man conversation before camp opened between between Brennan and Daniels. And I think now that Nussmeyer has has at a minimum inserted himself into the conversation. Um, now, could you go spoiler and go with the kid? Um, man, talk about seeing guys flock to the portal if if he tapped. Walker Howard is the starter. I don't think that's going to happen, but um, but wouldn't that be a, a statement moved by by Brian Kelly? Um, uh, but you know, the flip side of it is, look, Brian Kelly kept Walker Howard, um, you know, but really he wasn't his recruit originally. But I think you know, if Brian Kelly had been around, let's say a year ago, he would have made. Walker Howard, you know, the guy that he goes after anyway. So it works out, but yeah, man, that would, uh, that would uh, create a little buzz in the college football world. If he went in that direction Um, and then you'd lose some, at least probably one, if not more of those other three into the portal. But, um, but I don't foresee that happening. So I think they're going to end up going into camp with, with whether they have made the decision or not, at least, you know the 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 pretense that um, it's still open between um, Brennan and Daniels, and and maybe with Nussmeyer right in the mix as well at the start of uh, of preseason camp. And I call it preseason camp because I hate when they call it fall camp because it's in August. <laughs> All right. So did you did you get the sense that they feel okay about where the offensive line is, or is that really a humongous work in progress? Well, considering that the offensive line gave up six, and I'll use air quotes, sacks in the first four drives, I would think they don't feel super duper about it. <laughs> um but to be fair, they got two guys who are probably going to be in the mix that didn't even take part in the spring, and so you'll have to factor them into the into the depth chart as well. And so you might see a little bit of movement. Um, you know, they, I think they're happy with what they got at, at center with the camp that that uh, Charles Turner had. I think they're thrilled with what they got on the other side uh, at left tackle uh, with what the the early enrollee out of Neville Will, Will Campbell brings them. Um, I think. 
on the right side, I think they're okay with, uh, with Cam Wire uh, backed up by Doomerville. Um, but the two guards, I mean, you're looking at two transfers. One of them is out of East Tennessee State. Man, you think going from group of five uh, team, like, for instance, the receiver Kyron Lacey and the cornerback uh, Akai Gardner are doing, going from the Cajuns to LSU, you think that's tough? You think that raises questions about whether guys are ready to do that or not? Try going from an FCS team like East Tennessee State to uh, the SEC. Um, but that's what they're looking at with one of their potential starting guards. So there's a lot of unanswered questions there. But I think we talked touched on this a little bit last week when we had beyond for the first time in 11 years that um, that Will Campbell on the left side allows them the potential to move some other guys inside the guard and maybe gives that line a little bit more flexibility than they thought they had going in. So if you were going to list the two top areas of, of worry or concern or need going into summer, would you put offensive line number one or is there another one? I would put, I would take three because I always want more than what you give me. Uh-huh. I would put, figure out who your quarterback is number one. I would say solidifying the offensive line and, and doing it with those guys that you get back number two. And I'd say shoring up the cornerback situation is number one. Uh, it's number three. I'm sorry. They went into the portal. They got uh, uh, seven banks out of Ohio state, but you know, he had a little bit of an injury history. He had to, he had to get cleared by their doctors before they plucked him out of the portal. Um, uh, they, they took the guy, uh, Greg Brooks, who's a transfer from Arkansas, who they've been playing as their nickel. And, and the plan was kind of in the last couple of weeks of camp was to rotate him in at corner to see if there was some possibilities there. I, 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 I really think you got to take care of the quarterback situation. Um, the offensive line was suspect at best in the spring game. Um, and, and defensively, it's that it's, it's do they have the depth that they need at corner. All right, so uh, you did pretty good. We might have to have you back, as from what I can tell. Well, let's no, let's just wait another eleven years. Okay, all right, all right. Well, have fun uh, now that football is over for a while. Have fun um, with with baseball, and um, I, you know, may, maybe even getting. A, have you ever been to Hoover, Alabama? Oh no, but. Uh, I have not. Uh, I don't know if that'll happen, but I'm looking forward to SEC Media Day in Atlanta in July. Um, that should be interesting. We'll see how it compares to Sunbelt Media Day in New Orleans, also in July. I'm thinking a little bigger scale. I, a little bit. That 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 is true. All right. I appreciate it, sir. Good talking to you. Hey, Hang in there. Yes. Right, yep. Tim Buckley, Tiger Rag, no, uh, I think think it's probably a little unrealistic to think that a new staff, as new and as late as they got in, was going to be able to fix all the offensive line problems in one spring. That's probably not going to happen. It's normally a a big question mark anyway. But, again, that's something that's going to have to be fixed, you know, coming out of August for sure. And there's just so many unanswered questions. There's so much, like so much newness with baseball. We're getting used to Coach Johnson and everything going on with him. It's starting to kind of come together a little bit, and I think you're going to get a lot of that with a brand new coach in football as well. And then they're going to have a brand new coach in basketball. A lot of newness in Baton Rouge. All right, we will take a timeout when we come back. Have our weekly interview with UL baseball coach. 
Matt Deggs, man, are they on a roll and doing well now? And uh, no midweek games, so they can kind of relax a little bit. Um, RPI is doing pretty well. And another long road trip this weekend facing to App State. We'll talk to Matt De- do our weekly Matt Deggs interview next on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's Sports Station. We love talking about sports. Yeah. You love listening to sports. Yeah. Sounds like we were meant to be together, or at least friends with benefits. Aren't you glad you found us? Back to more of the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. All right, we have with us UL head baseball coach Matt Deggs, and what an incredible weekend. You know, Coach, I, I, I made the comment last week, the way y- y'all had a couple frustrating losses to Georgia Southern and to Monroe, and the way that you get over those is to go on the road and, you know, we use the word steal, not really, but so to win two out of three seemed like it would have been good, but to get a sweet, man, it's got to make you feel good. It does. You know, when you start off the way we did, uh, behind the eight ball with getting swept at uh, Troy, you know, and we dropped the lead in that one in the eighth. You know, we should at least won a game on Saturday there, and uh, but we didn't. And uh, then to win a bunch of series in a row, and uh, then you get the sweep at Georgia State, so you start to kind of make up for some lost ground uh, is kind of the way I look at it. And, uh, you know, I didn't know it was first road back-to-back road sweeps since 2014 until after the game. Uh, but it was it was good. We played real well, man, and, and uh, starting to hit our stride a little bit, and, and I think we're still going to get better and better and better. Uh, but we're playing pretty good, and we're tough. We're tough-minded. We're tough physically, and uh, just kind of hard to deal with right now. So the concept of a leadoff hitter like, we grew up with it's very different in the major leagues and it's always been kind of different with you so talk about connor like to me he's other than rockaford who's on a different planet right now connor i think has been like your most consistently dangerous hitter all year long so just talk about him what could make him good in the leadoff spot well it's first of all they have to watch his bp and you know, his BP is really impressive and it's, uh, it can, it can be, uh, it's, it it can be a huge perception to you if you watch his BP and, and just, it's, it's light tower power and it's, it's, I mean, it's just very impressive. And so it's, uh, it gives you a lot to think about right off the bat and, and, uh, you know, he can strike out or he can run a ball out of there or, or you know, somehow reach base and, and uh, he, he can run. And I call it thunder and lightning. You know, you can bring a little bit of both and it's going to be a competitive at bat and it'll, it'll probably set the tone for the next guy. And, uh, you know, is he going to stay there? I don't know. But I think that's what the doctor ordered at the time. And, uh, you know, I knew he'd get us off to some good starts and, 
what I didn't know is that the bottom of the order would play like they did, and they just kept kind of kept handing the ball off to him. Uh, it, it really made our lineup long and deep and just tough to manage. Now, Willis got some uh, some at bats over the weekend and and got some big hits. So, uh, how does how how does he kind of play into the next month or so? Yeah, no, it's uh, you know I was I was liking Trey, and I think Trey's going to be a really good hitter for us, Lafleur, and uh, you know, and then he kind of comes back down to earth, which is going to happen. Uh, but I wanted another left-handed hitter in there, just take a little bit of heat off of Rocco and. And uh, being able to sandwich Rock in between Shock and TR has is, is really been beneficial. And then add another lefty behind TR if it's Trey or if it's CJ. Uh, you know, and you just don't know. You don't know, right, when you're going to catch lightning in a bottle with CJ. And when it goes, it goes. And when it don't, you, you know, you're going to know immediately. Uh, and so, but he did. He played real well. And, uh Split a gap a couple of times, played good defense, and uh, yeah, I was happy for him. He had a good series. You know, no, nothing that is going on offensively, judging by the conversations that we had in preseason in those first couple of weeks of the season, has really surprised me. The one thing that as this season has played out, based on the things I was hearing early on and coming out of the fall – that my that is starting to surprise me a little bit that I would say that is how many innings you're getting out of your starting pitchers. I mean, this is, you know, I, I was expecting more of like, you know, kind of like it is most of Major League Baseball right now where you get a lot of four, five, six-inning starts, but we're getting multiple starts in seven and more innings now. Yeah, it's a, you know, Tibbs done a really good job if you think about it. He's taken our bullpen from a year ago, and now they're starting, and and uh, really a lot of trust in those guys. They're all older kids, and and uh, you know they the thing about them is uh, is they get better as the game goes. Like you know, big Jeff Wilson, he's you know he's really not going until he crosses that sixty seventy pitch mark, and and he's built up a good lather, good sweat, and really starts feeling the baseball in his hand. Uh, Schultz has just been so impressive, and obviously Tally's Tally, and he's such a utility knife. You know, we can start him, we can use him out of the bullpen uh, in multiple roles. Uh, asked him to pitch twice this week, and he did. He gave us three solid innings both times, and uh, I thought Schultz was just really impressive uh, with his fastball command and probably the best slider I've seen him have. And then, uh, you know, Jeff Wilson's just, if you watch it, you're going, man, we're going to really get after this guy. And then the first couple of guys get in there and they realize that this thing's invisible and and it's disappearing on us. And, uh, you know, and then the frustration sets in and they just start swinging at everything. All right. So, you know, you've had your fair share of five game weeks and four game weeks in the next couple of weeks. You don't have a midweek game. It seems to me like it's a perfect time for that, not just academically, but in terms of where you are in your season, what you've had to do to get to this point. Uh, it's been a little bit of a grind and now you got a chance to really get on a roll. Is it me or is this the perfect time to have no midweek game? I think that's a yes and no, Kev. It's, uh, well, you know, I was just telling Scotty, it's, I wish we played a hundred plus games a year. Like we were truly developing 
for the big leagues and and we were feeder for them like truly and and it was you know you're playing five times a week and uh that to me would be ideal i wish we played every day uh but we don't you're governed by you know an rpi uh like it or not and uh so the first part of the answer was you know i disagree with you and then the second part is i i totally agree with you we've uh, you know, we left at 1 a.m. on Thursday. We got home at 1 a.m. last night. Uh, coming off a tough game where we didn't play good against LSU, not taking anything away from them. They played really well. Uh, and then to a tough series where Georgia State was 17-2, and I think, at their home ballpark. Uh, we've got finals coming up. A uh, couple of guys just a little nicked up. Uh, and... Really and truly, the smartest thing for us to do is just play the schedule we have from here on out. I would love to find two more games, but it would have to be against the exact right team. And uh, there's just not many in our region that need a game right now that fit what we need. It, it, just, it seems to me you can really maximize your pitching now over the next two to three weeks. Yeah, and we'll have, look, we're going to have a big inner squad on Wednesday and throw a bunch of guys that need to throw and, and uh, we'll treat it like a game and uh, get ready for uh, to leave on Thursday and, and go play a tough app state team over there. Uh, but you're exactly right. You know, we were a little bit depleted and, and uh, you know, banged up just a little bit, just the normal wear and tear of a season. So uh, I think everybody will catch their breath, but hopefully stay in the, and the momentum that's been created and, and uh, keep this thing going. All right. So here, obviously, you want to win every game you play. But is it impo- how important it to you, is it to you in your mind? To be, obviously, you want to win every game and win the league. But is it is it any more important to be second than third or first and second or third than fourth going into the conference tournament for you? Like, is there a spot you really hope y'all can get to? Yeah, that, that would be number one. <laughs> I mean, that's our – that's that's always the first box we want to check is we want to win conferences and that's we've we've done it a lot of times and uh, this thing still has to play out that's that's you know you got a chance for road wins you get a chance for RPI wins this week this past weekend and we did that but more than anything was we kept uh, pace with where we were at in the standings uh, which would have been real easy uh, to drop a game so everything is still in our hands and. Uh, we want to win the league, and that's always going to be the goal. Uh, but to answer your question, you know, you need to be inside the top six, obviously, because the top, you know, the 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 bottom four that go to the tournament have to have a play in, and you get to kind of watch. And uh, obviously, we'd like to be in top one or two. Uh, but if not, you gonna make sure that you're in the true part of the double elimination tournament. Uh, now, I will say this, we have the fifth-rated league, I believe, in the country right now. There's going to be multiple teams go to a regional. And, uh, you know, more than anything, I think metrics will come into play of, you know, how were you in Q1, Q2 games, what was your road record, uh, and then probably most important that people overlook, how would you do in your last 10? And uh, so we need to keep that momentum going. All right, one more question, then we'll let you go. Uh, Carson Rockefeller, I, I, I don't, I, you, 
it's not only has he been really good, he's just incredibly consistent. What, what What's the key to his, you know, consistent brilliance? He's just a really, really good young man and very humble. And I'm not just saying that. Like, uh, he's just a great kid. And I, he plays uh, with a chip on his shoulder. He, you know, for as great a kid and as humble of a demeanor as he has it, he runs. He runs white hot, man. In between the lines, it's a, it's an intense compete, and uh, you know he loves to play, and and he's just a really good player, guy. He's just a really good player. I've said it before. Uh, if we get to keep him for four years, which I doubt, just because he's such a good hitter, somebody's going to pop him next year. Uh, if we did, he'd be the all-time hits leader here. You know, I said that when he came in as a freshman, and he's just a good player. He's consistent, man. He he is. He's on quite a roll, and he's been great since he got here. Coach, congratulations! Uh, you said all along, just keep the faith, keep the faith, keep going, and it, <laughs> and it's paying off. Well, thank you. I appreciate that, Kevin. Thank you very much. Congratulations, uh, Coach Deggs and the baseball team. All right. All right. I'll see thank you. After you. A while. All right. UL coach Matt Deggs, Cajuns sweep over the weekend. Cajuns and solidly in third place. And remember, they still have a road series with first place Texas State. It's going to be, get interesting here down the stretch. We'll be back on the game, Cadiana Sports State, South Louisiana's, I should say, sports station. Do you ever wonder what kind of coach foot would have been? When they hit it to you and you're in the major leagues, you catch the ball. That's the way that works. Yeah, he may be better suited for talking sports than coaching them. Back to footnotes on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back to Footnotes. Kevin Foot on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Want to remind you, Astro Weekend Getaway. Astros play the Rangers on May the 21st. If you go to the website, register for the game clubhouse, you might win four tickets to that Saturday game, a ballpark tour, and hotel accommodations um, at uh, La Meridian Houston downtown. Again, Astro Weekend Getaway. Go to 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com today. Thank you. That offer is brought to you by Butcher Air Conditioning, La Meridian, Houston downtown, and the game, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. So, you know, Coach Deggs is funny because he's one of these old school guys. He likes to play baseball just about every day. And I get that from a rhythm and a wanting to play baseball every day. But when their pitching staff, I wouldn't say is all that deep. So while he wants to play every day, and I'm sure he's got plenty of guys like Tyler Robertson who would love to play every day on the team, pitching-wise, I think it's good that they've got this break. I think, as I said in asked him one of the questions that I believe they can better maximize the, the, the quality pitching that they have by having a few of these weeks 
where they don't have to throw as many innings. So we'll see how, how, how that plays out. All right, that'll do it for our number one. Another hour to follow. After this timeout on the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Broadcasting live from the Delta Media Studios in Upper Lafayette. Two hours of sports talk like none other. Footnotes with your host, Kevin Foote. Welcome into Footnotes, Kevin Foote on the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Want to remind you, we have both LSU baseball and Astros baseball tonight. LSU playing first pitch 630 at UNO. That could be here, heard right here at 1037 the game. Astros will try to avoid the sweep. Early on, I don't want to wait till four game till Thursday to avoid the sweep. Let's avoid the sweep this t- tonight. But they will play after losing last night in the opener at Texas. They will play the Rangers again, and that can be heard at seven o'clock tonight. And that can be heard on our sister station ninety eight News Talk ninety eight five FM. All right, you know, again, it's just it. it, it I, I'm so over. Uh, this waiting and the anxiousness for, anxiousness for the draft. You know, I'm just filling on my phone during the break. And what headline do I see? What headline do I see? The Astros, the Astros, the Saints, they claim, have heavy interest in Bobby Scott in the first round. For those of you who don't know who Bobby Scott is, that's what we're calling Kenny Pickett, thanks to Jules. I mean, I was... Um, an ingenious comparison by Jules and totally funny and hilarious to all of us who were alive when Bobby Scott was the backup quarterback for the Saints in the 70s. And obviously, I I think Kenny Pickett's a little better than Bobby Scott, but essentially that's what I think they would be doing. Uh, And again, I just can't get away from it. Just cannot get away from it. Everywhere you look, it's there. I just don't believe it. I just tweaked a mock draft and and I just, I don't even have, for, for the last month, I had the Ornals picking Bobby Scott at six. I don't think they're going to do it. I had to, ch- I just, I don't even know if the Ornals are going to pick a quarterback. Now, I do think that someone's going to trade into the middle of the first round. At least one team is going to trade up and get one of these quarterbacks. Because they've already made a pick. But I just, I just, I I can't even pull the trigger anymore on the Arnolds picking a quarterback. I mean, if you want a starting quarterback that bad, just trade for Bozo, Baker Mayfield. I mean, I, I, I'm not, I, and look, I hope, look, I hope the Arnolds pick Bobby Scott. And then I hope the Falcons pick Malik Willis because that gives the Saints a better chance of getting what they need. But I I just, 
I don't I don't even have the Arnolds picking a quarterback anymore. I, I just can't believe all I don't I just don't believe all these people are that stupid. Now the only thing about the Arnolds is they have a coach who probably is gonna get fired if they don't win this year. But 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 again, if you I've heard people say that, and I agree with that. But how is he going to help him win if he picks a quarterback? <laughs> Quarterback's not going to help you win this year, especially not Bobby Scott. I, I, I just, I, it just, it just, I know everybody's a QW in this country, but it just doesn't make any sense to me. It just doesn't. Right now, I got one quarterback being pe- taken in my mock draft. And if I'm wrong, I'm wrong. But I, I, I just don't think all these teams are that stupid. I just don't. But I do think, because I don't have any trades, I do think someone's going to trade into the middle of the first round and get one of these guys. But after they've already helped their football team, you can't help your football team by drafting a, a quarterback this year in the, in the first round. That doesn't help your football team. You're hoping it helps you down the road, but does not help your football team. right now. All right, let's go to the game hotline. Hello. Man, Carolina's the key. And I'm agreeing with you. I don't think they take a quarterback, and that's going to kill us because they'll end up taking one of the tackles. And, I mean, I, I, you, you, we keep picking on you because you anxious two weeks out. Imagine how a real GM feels and what's going through their head and trying to put this puzzle together that's the draft. It's, uh, it's got to just be nerve-wracking. Well, I don't, I don't think they're as nervous as we are because they have some control over it. What's driving me crazy is I keep all these people everywhere keep telling me the Saints are complete idiots and they're about to botch this. And I'm like, there's no way they're that stupid. And so I'm worried that they're going to do something really stupid. And so that I, I, I don't think any of them are as anxious as I am. Well, again, they've got to try and figure out if the guys they like are going to be there when they pick. And I mean, look. Two weeks ago, we were saying Cross may fall to us at 16, and now I don't think he gets out of the top 10. So that's Joey, nothing has changed. I, I, nothing has changed from the last two months, okay? But, well, but I, I think that Cross could fall if Seattle gets stupid and picks a quarterback, which I don't think they're going to do. Some people think they're going to pick a cornerback. If they pick a cornerback, I think Cross could fall, but I, I, I still have them picking no, Cross. Man, look, you got the Giants that like Cross. You've got Houston with two picks ahead of us that uh, may want to tackle. Then you got Baltimore that may want to tackle. So you got to get – look, they, Penning may not even be there when we pick at 16, which for sure, for a while, we thought that was the shoe-in. That was the your emergency shoot was Penning being there, and there's a good chance he's gone when we pick at 16. So that's our worst-case scenario. I'm starting to see mocks where four of the tackles are gone before we pick and five of the receivers are gone before we pick, which are the two areas we kind of been focusing on as far as wanting and I'm like, that would just be. Oh, nightmare. now that I that I totally expect. I, I I think, I think the top five receivers are going to be gone by the time 16 gets there. That I believe. With, again, but I don't believe I all the tackles will be there. really good receivers. That leaves us with Dotson from Penn State, who's actually no, a I don't pretty good him. receiver. But do you pass on a Davis? Let's say if if you're down to Dotson and Davis. Davis, who, who is the fat dude we used to have that opened his own 
I don't know. You talking uh, about like Norman Hand? It wasn't Hand. Yeah, it was just a guy that had so much trouble keeping his weight down, and it's hard on your body. Look, he, he got up to three sixty at Georgia, and there were games where he couldn't take half the step. So again, I'm 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 me personally, I'm convinced the Saints trade up, and it's to get a tackle, not a quarterback. I don't. It's the trap. They cannot afford to trade up. They got to. Well, you might have to if you want one of those four tackles. Uh, the biggest area you need on this team right now, we have got to shore up the left side of our offensive line. You spend a draft pick on that, you got a guy for 10 years. I got no problem trading up to take one. But we may end up having to trade up with, like, let's say, Houston at 13 just to get Penny at this point. And you'll still have your second first round pick because you'll be moving from 16. Joey, to there's no way, Joey. To to do that. Joey, there's no way that all the receivers and all the tackles are going to be gone. There's no way. Well, no, you'll have one. You'll have all four tackles could be gone when we pick at 16 and five of the receivers. That's nine out of 16 picks. And then the rest, we got to have a quarterback or two go ahead of us. I'm hoping Pittsburgh trades up and takes a quarterback. Pittsburgh's not taking a quarterback, I'm telling y'all. Well, think about it. Pittsburgh's now in a division with Watson, Joe Burrow. I'm trying to think of the the, the, the quarterbacks in their division. They don't have one. You've got to get a quarterback to compete in that No, no, you don't. They made the playoffs with the worst quarterback play in the NFL last year. Yeah, and that was a that was a wing and a prayer, and it showed in their first playoff. They and and they their they and their play off. and their quarterback play is going to be better this year. Well, I, and that's what some people are saying. You got Trubisky, roll with him. Again, I'm just I I'm not worried about anybody but the Saints, and I'm pretty convinced we're going to have to trade up, and it's to get one of the tackles. It's not going to be a quarterback, so it's kind of a win lose for you. We trade up, which you don't want to do. But they don't pick a quarterback. They take one of these tackles that we absolutely have to have. Before a receiver, before a safety, before a running back, we have got to get a left tackle. And uh, there's three choice ones, one a legitimate first rounder, and then a bunch of guys that might be guards in the NFL. So you got to get one of those four, preferably one of the top three, and you're going to have to trade up. I mean, I could see us giving both first-round picks to move to number seven, where the Giants I, are. I, I think there's going to be a lot more edge rushers picked than you think. And, and I, I, I don't. Hope. I don't. I don't think. Good one. So that could very well happen. But I mean, look, you got people now saying they've had Hutchinson going to Jacksonville for two months now, and now they're picking the, the tackle out of North Carolina State going number one. Uh, it would not surprise me if he goes number one. It would not surprise me as Evan Neal goes number one. I don't. I don't. Aiden Hutchinson's going to Detroit. I'm convinced of that now. Oh man, I'm just. I don't know how these real guys do it because it's kind of like fantasy football. You you kind of lose your mind trying to figure out all this stuff, and it drives you crazy. Well, it's driving me crazy because I just because I don't know what's about to happen. Anyway, and and again, imagine the guys that get paid to do this for a living. But they have control of it, though. Oh, That's dude. the difference. Uh, we don't. They're not. They think they are, but they're not. All right, That's we'll see. We got we got two more days. Two. What, you're trying to figure out what other teams are doing in order to to make your right. 
selection or who you got, and it's, it's, it's gotten to a point where it's so crazy this year, it's almost impossible. All I, right. I don't, I don't know, dude. It's, it's to, nerve-wracking. Oh, it I'm is. It's driving me Before it, I was laughing at you. Yeah, it's driving me crazy. All right. Thank you, Joey. Have a good day, dude. You too. All right. We'll take a timeout. The man is here. Louis Prejean returns to the Footnotes program live and in person. We'll do it next on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Time to open up the vault for the games this day in sports history. April 26, 2018, Oklahoma quarterback Baker Mayfield is drafted by the Cleveland Browns with the top overall pick of the NFL draft. A total of four quarterbacks are taken in the top ten, a first in NFL history. That was this day in sports history. We now return to the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. I'm great. I have breaking news, Uh-oh. by the way. Pels and Six. Oh, Pels and Six. Pels and Six. Look, I um, I did not really think they could beat the Suns going into the series. But I do think it could happen now. Like, I, I, I think the... Before we get to the actual breakdown of the matchup going into tonight, and then, by the way, Thursday, one of the biggest nights in New Orleans professional sports history of the NFL draft in game six against an historically good team in the regular season in the Suns. I mean, really, huge. What are you going to be paying attention to more, Well, if you're honest with yourself? Well, you know yeah, me. Yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm totally with obsessed with the draft. <laughs> I'm not even, like, you know, I don't know. I'm not even eat Thursday <laughs> I'm going to be so nervous, you know, and so anxious. You're going to eat. It's going to be a big slop of red beans and rice or... But before we get to the actual matchup, you are kind of like I am with your team. Like, you you, you don't really believe... Like, all these people tell you all this negative stuff, and and you, you still believe. Yeah. So, really... Try to put into words what it feels like. Because, look, you took a lot of heat, I'm sure, earlier in this year, especially coming off of last year and the year before, and your record is horrible, and and, and Zion's never going to play, and he still <laughs> hasn't played, and everything's terrible, and what in the world are you going to do? And then to be in the position you're in right That's now, right. just try to put into words what that feels like. I can't. It's almost I put it into action. I, I walk around a little different. I kick the feet up. I'm more relaxed these days. But if I try to put it into words, you know how it is. It just feels good being right. Yeah. You know, like I told you so. I knew this team would be great. Uh, and ever since February, they're a top ten offense, they're a top ten defense, and usually those teams go far in the playoffs or do well in the playoffs. And you see with the Pelicans, they're doing well in the playoffs. But you know, even this season, I had people telling me this team's going to be awful. Relocate them to Seattle. But that was never the case because I knew even when they were one and twelve or three and sixteen, 
that they were really building something. And even last year, I mean, the pieces are there. It's just about when are they all going to fit. And finally, they're all fitting because of Willie Green and Brandon Ingram has stepped up and then you bring in C.J. McCollum. But it feels so good. It feels amazing to finally have this Yeah, you have something where you can just see how bright the future could be. So what what are the one or two things that you think Willie Green has done? He's just so calm, first of all. Every time I watch him in a game, it's like, does this guy have a pulse? Like, (laughs) seriously, he seems so calm all the time. You got to freaking fight. (laughs) But what what is, obviously, he's brought a lot. But, and I think the number one thing is he's got the guys all liking each other and believing and all that kind of stuff. But. What is it that you think he's done from a basketball standpoint that's made the team so much better? I think the adjustments, I think believing in them, because it goes a step further than just relating to the players, and that would be number one, like you mentioned, just having everyone together like they are shows that they relate to each other a lot. But the adjustments that he's made, I mean, he started Herb Jones, a second-round rookie, very early on in the season with the belief that he's going to make an impact on the team. And, you know, he's trusted his rookies like Trey Murphy and Jose Alvarado. He's put Brandon Ingram in great positions. I mean, even in the playoff game in, in game two, when Brandon Ingram was really cooking in the late in the game, he said, I stopped running plays for Brandon Ingram. I, I, I just let him cook. You know, he, he has such a belief in his players and the willingness to adjust and to try new things that has really benefited, benefited the team because uh, playing all these rookies, trusting Brandon Ingram to be the leader of the team – has shown to be the right move now in the playoffs. It's it you know the reason you know there are people who are still don't believe in them at all like nationally like, they they don't even ignore, like they they're acting out, well the, the Suns are going to win this series I mean it's just like, but 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 because of some of the things you said they're doing they have all the ingredients right now they have a point guard who can score when you need him to and be a point guard when he needs to. He's a leader of the team. They have an elite scorer in Ingram. They're playing defense. And, and you know, I guess what would be your biggest concern? Is there anything that you think, uh, yeah, but we got to do that? It, it, I don't know. The what, biggest what is con- that? The biggest concern is Chris Paul, especially late in these games. He'll have a good game. He'll have a bad game, good game, bad game. Last game he had a bad game. Is he going to come back and have a good game? And it's especially late – especially in the fourth quarters is when he's really taking over. I mean, outside of Chris Paul, it's DeAndre Aiden. That tandem, that pick and roll, the Pelicans have no answer for it. Uh, So really it's about slowing that down, and it's about trapping Chris Paul off the pick and roll, sending two to him, making him uncomfortable. Jose Alvarado did a great job of picking him up 94 feet and making him work and you know wearing him out throughout the course of a game. So my biggest concern is you let Chris Paul and DeAndre Aiden get too comfortable. And then if you were to trap Chris Paul in this game, kind of limit him as much as you can, are the others going to step up? Because the others for the Suns, like Jay Crowder, Cameron Payne, uh, Cameron, ja- uh, Cameron Johnson, haven't stepped up for them in the series. So are they going to have one of those games tonight where the others just get really hot? Or are you able to contain them? My concern is, uh, my concern probably is like the others game happening in game five. Like they just get really hot from three. And, and the old it. way of looking at it is that has a better, much better chance of, of that happening on their home court than on the road. So you see, I still think that even if you lose this game, if you win at home, then when you get to a game seven, the pressure's all on the number one seed. I was going to say the, pre- the pressure's off now. Yeah, there, it is there's, now. There's, yeah. there's a like 
playing with house money kind of feel oh, with the Pelicans because no one expected them to be here. No one expected them to even get two games out of them and bring it to a game five or game six. So they're playing with house money at this point, and that's a dangerous thing. You saw that they're not afraid of Chris Paul. Herb Jones rejected Chris Paul's hand when he went to go help him up. You know, her, uh, and you see that Jose Alvarado is constantly talking trash. Brandon Ingram's talking trash to Chris Paul. They're not scared of this team. And they're just playing free. And th- that's a dangerous thing. Again, we're speaking with Louis Prejean, a real true blue, I oh. think, over-the-top psycho Pelicans fan. And, and he's reaping the benefits right now. But you know what? It really frustrates me because I've, I, I've never gotten this for so long. It really frustrates me when people talk about how good Herb is defensively, how good Alvarado is defensively, because I've asked this question from the high school to the college level and from the college level to the NBA level for years. Why don't coaches recruit defensive players? (laughs) All talk about the big impact that he can make, and we're seeing that big impact, and yet how many teams just totally ignore defensive first players? Ignore them. They they ignore defensive first players because it's not sexy. It's you know not flashy in any sense. But also, you look at Herb Jones, his age, he's 22, 23, and a lot of people in the draft want to go for the 19, the 20-year-olds with a lot of potential, but fail to realize, is that 19 or 20-year-old going to be even as good as Herb Jones is right now when they're 22? So there's a lot of, you know, there's a lot of misscouting that – it's they look for a lot of potential but never see what's really right there in front of them and you see with Herb Jones you know he was ready for the NBA defensively and then the offense was always going to come along because you can coach shooting you know um but not all of the time you can get somebody with those defensive instincts so you think he's just that rare no um I mean, I mean, he's, he's got, rare in the sense of, like, he's a second-round rookie starting meaningful minutes throughout the course of the season and in the playoffs, and he's making a real impact. Like, he's giving people trouble. Right. No, there's no question he, he he's a great—he's had a great impact on Pelicans. But I'm talking about they all—you know, the whole idea about the modern NBA game, especially, or a college game, is that they're so much, quote, more athletic than they were in this— 70s and 80s and 90s, which I tend to agree with. But if you're that athletic, then why can't you play defense? And if you can play defense, why don't teams recruit those guys to play defense so they can have somebody on their team to impact a team like Herb Jones? Uh, lot, I just don't get that. A lot of it is made of like the youth programs, like the AAU, not teaching uh, how to play defense. And coming up, I mean, a lot of it is offensive focus. So I think more is taught about offense than defense. And uh, really, for me, defense more about effort than anything. I mean, if you're willing to put in the work on the defensive end, then I think like a lot of your other game can sort out. Uh, But a lot of it is effort. But when you look at Herb Jones, I mean, it's not even effort. It's just how smart he is on that end, how much uh, attention to detail that he puts in on that end. Because when he's blocking three-pointers, he had three blocks, by the way, in game four, and all of them were blocking three-pointers against the Suns. And he's tracking the ball and not necessarily the player. So when the ball's in the air, he's tracking it. I mean, that's just something that, you know, other players aren't looking for, but that's attention to detail that Herb Jones has. All right, so how much of that do you give – how much of that, the defensive part of it do you give to Willie Green other than obviously he's got to play him and he's playing him and they're doing – how much of it is him or do you think that's just he plays good defensive players and they make it, they make it work? 
I mean, it's got to go hand-in-hand hand for it to make it work because Willie Green's got to coach him up to play defense. I mean, we saw, like, last year Stan Van Gundy, he was, quote-unquote, a defensive guy, and the Pelicans were not great defensively. Right. <laughs> so a lot of it is personnel bringing, like, Herb Jones in, Jose Alvarado in, Brandon Ingram buying in more on the defensive end. But, you know, Brandon Ingram didn't gel with Stan Van Gundy. So is Brandon Ingram going to want to play defense for Stan Van Gundy? So a lot of it is that buy-in that Willie Green is teaching and then having the right personnel to go out and execute. All right, one more question, then we'll get to a break and we'll get talk more about the actual matchup. Obviously, you can't even, you, you mentioned at the top, you can't even put the words how you feel. You probably can't put the words the impact that McCollum has had, the trade has had on this team. But what are one or two things that he does that, Someone like you notice because you really are into it that someone like me who just kind of casually pays attention to the impact that he's had. A lot of it when you bring a 25 point per game score in is the attention that he draws and the gravity that he draws, the way he can break down a defense, why it's so important to have a three level scorer on your team with Brandon Ingram being one three-level scorer who can score from the three-point line, the mid-range, and get to the basket, and then adding another one in because a lot of the playmaking was on Brandon Ingram. We saw last year with Zion Williamson that he was able to playmake a little bit, but having another guy that can draw so much attention from all three levels because of his threat to score and then being able to playmake outside of that takes a lot of pressure off Brandon Ingram to get to his spots and then helps the team all around him. So it really is about the attention that he draws with his ability to score at the three levels and then able to play make off of that. So I think the way that he's able to bend a defense is so important to the team. And then you kind of look at his experience uh, overall. He's been in the playoffs eight straight seasons, now nine straight seasons. So you kind of look at that experience and that kind of helps out all the rookies around him as well. And he's obviously had a humongous impact on Ingram. He me. haven't even CJ McCollum hasn't even had his best game of the series. He's kind of struggled a little bit, missing free throws that he normally wouldn't, missing some floaters that he normally wouldn't. So as much as I'm nervous about the Suns others stepping up, we haven't had a great CJ McCollum game yet, and I feel like we're due for one. You want it tonight or Thursday? I need it tonight. <laughs> I need it tonight. <laughs> tonight? I remember he scored. Have patience, <laughs> He scored like 45 against the Denver Nuggets in like a game seven. I need that. <laughs> tonight. I need it. I need that CJ McCollum game tonight. All right. We will take a timeout. When we come back, we will talk a little bit more about the matchup, and then I have to ask the obligatory Zion question or two. <laughs> Man, it's just. We'll wait for you, Zion. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) All right. We'll be back with Louis Prejean talking Pelicans. Game five tonight. Game six Thursday. Man, these next 48 hours are going to be something. We'll be back on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Why doesn't Kevin Foote talk more basketball? Because it's in the best interest for his health not to discuss basketball. I had to give up basketball to save my life. I cannot take basketball. It's way too subjective. More footnotes coming up on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station.
Welcome back to Footnotes. Kevin Foot on the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Want to remind you, if you would like to win a $150 gift certificate to Mr. Lester's Steakhouse, you can do so potentially by joining the game clubhouse by going to 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com. So sign up today. We have with us an old friend, Louis Prejean, who is huge Pelicans fan. Pelicans are in game five tonight. By the way, I, I should know this. Is, is Phoenix in the Pacific or the Mountain time zone? Pacific. Like, is this late stuff killing you? You kind of get in a it's sense of what it's like me. for me as it's an Astro fan. destroying me because I'm now used to West Coast time yes. being out in Cali. But now it's like... I've got to stay up till midnight to watch these games, and it's the worst. Exactly. Why do you think I get so aggravated? As an Astro fan, they've been making me do this forever. For, like, most of my life, i got to wait till midnight because they always put me – like, they look at a map and they say, well, you know, Houston and New Orleans, I think they're in the west. No, they're nowhere near California, Houston, and New Orleans. So why why do the Pelicans have to play the late game every game? I don't know. That's why I'm hoping – Pels and Six, by the way – and they get to play Dallas. And it's both central time zone, yes. reasonable times. Uh, like on a Friday <laughs> night, it's not bad. But in a weeknight, it's just so Oh, come awful. on. Sunday happened. It's like the game started at 8.45. And then you have to stay up till like 11.30. To it's, just... it's, 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 it's Pubble. It's Pubble. All right. Zion. Like, what I'm thinking is, a year ago, he's like, I'm out of here. Okay. You know. <laughs> He probably didn't like Stan Van Gundy any more than Ingram did. No. Okay. So, but now he sees what's going on, and they've got this coach that apparently the players love, or seemingly they love. Who I love. And all this, you know, you got a super, Brent Ingram is playing like Kevin Durant is supposed to be playing. (laughs) You see it? Yeah. No, uh, first player in Pelicans franchise history to score 30 or more points in three straight games so it's you know he just looks fabulous so in the playoffs so he's got to be thinking you know I might have been wrong maybe I'm staying what don't you think that's what he's thinking the the crowd's chanting Pels in six Pels in six I'm at home chanting Pels in six by the way and then you see Zion holding his hands up what seemingly looks like six fingers up in the air like yeah Pels in six he's buying in Look at him on the sideline. I mean, he looks like he's having fun, and he's got to be thinking. Because I want to be a part of this. Yes. Like, I'm looking like, I wish I was on the court, but I know Zion, it's got to be eating at him. If his rehab went a little better, he could be out there on the court because he's already running five-on-five. It's not with any of the core players or any of the starters, but it's with, you know, some back-end players that aren't in the rotation it's with some trainers and some assistant coaches so if he took it a little bit more seriously in, in his rehab at the beginning I know he had a setback but he could be out there on the court right now and be contributing to this team all right before we get to because someone has a phone call uh, a question for you on the phone do you are you worried now obviously he's got talent um but how will he fit into this team next year if it if fit okay last season, I know Steven Adams was out there and it was a little wonky. Uh, it, it, but now the team, again, the personnel is so set up 
that he can thrive because he doesn't have to put too much effort in on the defensive end because you've got players that will take on the other guy's best player. You've got you've got Herb Jones that will take the other person's best player. You've got Brandon Ingram who's bought in a little bit more. But even the addition of Larry Nance is is a great addition defensively. So you've I mean we're talking about the guys that can guard the forwards that Zion would be guarding. So you've got players that can take the pressure off of him defensively, and now you got C.J. McCollum and Brandon Ingram who can take the pressure off of him offensively. Zion Williamson doesn't have to worry about playmaking. He's going to draw triple teams, but who's that going to leave open? Your other two All-Stars and C.J. McCollum and Brandon Ingram. It's almost like this would be a seamless fit with him, someone that could attack the basket the way that he can and get in the paint, something that the Pelicans have struggled with a little bit. Jonas Valanciunas has been good on on the offensive end, but on the defensive end and handling DeAndre Ayton and putting pressure on at the rim, I think Jonas Valanciunas is not able to handle DeAndre Ayton, but Zion Williamson and his speed and athleticism would give a big like DeAndre Ayton and JaVale McGee a lot of problems. Do you agree with me that Jonas reminds you of the mechanical Santa Claus in the Santa Claus? <laughs> Did you see the movie The Santa Claus? I have, yeah. The, the one where he had to go back and look, find his wife, and then they created this mechanical Santa Claus. Yeah. That's who Jonas that, reminds you of. That's who he reminds you of? He doesn't okay. remind you of that guy? No, I'd, I'd, have, to, I'd have to go look. <laughs> All right, let's go to uh, the game hotline. Hello. Hey, uh, Foot Martin again. Uh, it's good to hear uh, Lewis back on the air and uh, – I have a, I actually have a couple questions uh, for Lewis Prejean. One being, uh, you still don't like hot dogs, do you? No, no, they're awful. I haven't had one in years. <laughs> no, uh, mustard and I, onions. I've been uh, kind of listening to the media and everything, and and they they really haven't um, brought up that um, Willie Green has come from the Phoenix Suns. Now, do you think? Um, since he's coached the Phoenix Suns, that's kind of adva- advantage to the Pelicans, you know, knowing how they kind of run, you know, their defensive schemes and all that. And uh, I think that's a big advantage uh, going towards the Pelicans and, and kind of why they 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 been doing so well uh, this round against the Phoenix Suns. I mean, not many people are mentioning that uh, Willie's Green, really Green's come from the uh, the Phoenix Suns and how much of an impact that has on the on the series. Yeah, I'm glad you brought that up Uh, because when I'm up late at night just thinking about the Pelicans, as I always do, uh, I thought about how how Willie Green has come from Phoenix and that he saw in the finals last year that Phoenix took a 2-0 lead and then never won another game uh, against the Milwaukee Bucks and in large part due to Drew Holiday's pressure on Chris Paul. And I know he was looking at that, and he was like, how do we make Chris Paul as uncomfortable as possible? And in Game 4, they made Chris Paul extremely uncomfortable. Uh, And I know that's going to be the game plan moving forward in this series to make him as uncomfortable as possible. So, you know, that's probably what Willie Green learned going from Phoenix to here. Like, Chris Paul can't do this night in and night out anymore. You know, if we get into him, if we put a lot of pressure on him full court, uh, doubles, it's going to wear on him. And the, the others old. aren't stepping up. So, right. And and another thing too, a lot of people is worried about Devin Book and everything. Yes, he's he's kind of you know got the hamstring injury, but Willie Green knows how you know, and in, in some retrospect, how to how to contain him and everything from coaching. You know, at at things, I think I think this is a good matchup for the um, for the Pelicans. Uh, I think, like I said, like you said, I think this, the the Pelicans uh, will win in in, in six. Mm. Uh, 
you know, and uh, I'm not really a Pelicans fan. I'm a Warriors fan, but, man, I'm I'm so happy for you that the Pelicans are doing good this year. You deserve it. And uh, I, ho- I, hope, I hope nothing but the best for the Pelicans, man. Thank All right. You. Thanks for the call. All right. I, I Someone just texted me and said he wants me to ask you this question. Okay. He thinks that Zion is fat and lazy and is never <laughs> going to help this team. So why don't they trade him? What do you think of that statement? Why don't they trade him? Because you look at what's a missing piece on this team and you have him on the bench right now. You know, there's no guarantee you go ahead and trade him and your team, you get in three more players and then you have to fit in all of them when you already have a guy that played last season and has been around the team But what now. if he's fat and injury-prone and lazy and he's never going to come close to his potential? Like a John Williams. I don't know. It's something that it's always going to be the what-if scenario because if you go back to that 2019 draft, if Memphis gets the number one pick, they're picking Zion Williamson. They're not picking John Morant. Uh, and this is another case of, like, we made the pick. Uh, we believe in him. We, he was an all-star last season. Why would we give up on him? Well, because it's not a, just a shot in the dark. All he's proven is that he's fat and lazy and has a bad attitude and, and is and has not worked hard. 27, and, proven, se- 27 right? and 7 last season? That's why we'll wait for you, Zion, because right. the missing piece is right there on the bench. Okay. And I hope it works out for I, you. I do, but, too. Because but, I, but I think Joel it's Embiid, possible he's right. Joel Embiid kind of went through these issues early on in his career, too, and now no one's ever like, you think the 76ers made the wrong move with Joel Embiid? <laughs> no, they didn't, but they might be in trouble. All right, we don't we, we don't have that much more time in this segment, so tell me about what about what is important, what is going through your mind right now about this matchup tonight? What's going on through my mind is – Honestly, containing Chris Paul and live with the results of the others. As much as I'm scared about uh, the others stepping up in an important game five, it's something that you just have to do. Like I said, make Chris Paul uncomfortable. uh, Put pressure on him full court and in the half court when they're running the pick and roll of DeAndre Ayton and just live with the results of the other players. Uh, If they make shots, they make shots. And then if I'm the Pelicans, Brandon Ingram, you're amazing. You're the MVP. You're the leader of the team, but I need a C.J. McCollum game, this game. I need one where it's like 35-40. It's a historic game. We haven't had that out of C.J. McCollum yet in this series where it's like a, a C.J. McCollum game. I need C.J. McCollum to really step up in this one. But but this is – I hear what you're saying, but this is what you don't want to happen. This is Chris Paul's good game, right? Yeah, this is scheduled. Okay. So what you don't want is for Chris Paul to have a Hall of Fame game and C.J. McCollum have his game and you lose by two points. You, you you need C.J. McCollum's game to happen in a W. So I'm not saying it would be a bad thing if McCollum has his game that you've been talking about, but you need to make sure that that game happens in a win, not in a two-point loss, 129 to 127. 20-point blowout, game five tonight, and then Pels in six. We're going to try to be in that building because I went to game three. I've got the shirt on from that game. And I've never been to a Pelicans playoff win. Every time I've gone to a playoff game for the Pelicans, they've lost. Have you figured out how to break in or you have a ticket? I'm trying to get a ticket. Okay. We're working on it. All right. <laughs> you can stay one more short segment, right? Yeah. All right. We'll take a timeout. We'll come back, finish off today's show in this hour. Louis Prejean talking Pelicans and the NBA. Man, what a what a nice treat this has been. We'll be back on the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Welcome back to the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. We have with us 
Lewis Prejean, we've been talking about the Pelicans, but I want to ask you a general NBA playoff question. One of the things that's fascinating to me is a lot of the teams that a lot of people think are going to maybe go to the NBA Finals, I think the Bucs are mentally tough. I don't know how mentally tough the Suns are yet, especially in their situation. Yet. They're folding a little bit. I don't know how mentally tough the Sixers are at all. Yeah. After going up 3-0, dropping two straight, and I know Joel Embiid's got that torn ligament in his right thumb, so it's a little shaky right now. I mean, of course, there's always going to be the concerns about James Harden, too. Yeah. So they're, eh. Oh, so who are you looking at? Who, who is the most, what I'm getting to is, who's the most mentally tough team right now? And you know what worries me? It's the two teams that if they played in the finals would just be disgusting to me. This is the Warriors. The Warriors yeah. and the Celtics. Celtics, yep. I knew it. Oh, man, you would hate that matchup. Oh, I wouldn't even. <laughs> We didn't watch a second of the we NBA ain't finals. About the that NBA was the fi- no, we ain't talking about the NBA. They would finals never even appear show. on the it's show. Too sickening. The Celtics, they've got to be among the mentally tough ones. I mean, I know, that's what playing. I'm worried I mean, about. I'm not, you, well, you got to worry because Celtics, Warriors, Bucks, most mentally tough. You that, could throw in the Heat, maybe in there. Um, I'm not totally bought in, but you could throw in the Heat. Nobody's buying them. I'm not buying. Them. I think the Bucks are mentally tough, but they won it for the first time in 50 years last year, so they have no <laughs> They're ineligible. They're, they're, doing, they're doing a nice job, though. Yeah, I think I think the Warriors and Celtics are playing really well. Probably some of the best basketball that you'll see in the playoffs. Now, really the only good thing, that. there's only one good thing about the Celtics doing what they just did. It's that I'm one that believes what Kevin Durant did by going to Golden State mm-hmm. is the worst legal thing that's happened in sports history. And so it's nice to see him get his face crushed. Okay. And he struggled. And yeah, he struggled. And embarrassed. Weird. But 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 I just wish it was somebody else, not the stupid Celtics that did it. Sorry, it's just the way I, that I'm, life I'm, works. I'm, I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm. all right. So who can beat the Celtics? Well, again, I think I think the Bucks can beat them. I mean, I I really do believe in the Bucks. Like I wouldn't be shocked if they go back to the finals. Uh, I think they're that good. Uh, and then I mean, they haven't really lost anybody from. Last year's team, you, you still got the same core uh, around them. So I really think like the Bucks could beat the Celtics. I really, I, I'm not buying Miami. So I think the Celtics would handle Miami, and then the 76ers. Again, it's got to be Celtics. Bucks for me are in their own tier, and then everyone else is kind of below. What them. do the Heat lack that can't that makes you say that? I think the I think the Heat lack. I think, I think the Heat lack. Sort of, I know they have Jimmy Butler and Bam Adebayo, who are top end talent, but I don't necessarily buy that they'll beat other top end talent right. against other teams. Like they won't match up really all that well against them. They're great defensively, and you've got proven winners like with Kyle Lowry and with Jimmy Butler. But even Kyle Lowry's hurt right now, and he's so they just games. don't have that guy. If they need somebody to go out and score 38 points to win a game, they just don't Like, have Jimmy it. Butler can do that, but I don't think he's doing it on a consistent basis. I, I think Jason Tatum right now is on another level, and Giannis Adenokupo is, like, on another level uh, than, than what a Jimmy Butler could provide for the Heat team. All right. Look, I enjoyed it. I'm glad you came in. Pels and Six. I'm, I'm happy for fans like you who believe against Unbelievable odds. Uh, just just do me one favor. Make sure that the Saints don't pick Bobby Scott in the first round. Yeah, I got no you. quarterbacks. I'll put a Can call you handle in. that? Yeah, I'll put a call in. I'll make Please sure that they don't make select. Sure that hey, take care of yourself Thursday. Ooh, I'm I, know, I know you're, you're, you're going to go through it. Anxiety overload. <laughs>
We're going to have some chocolate chipless cookies for you, Foot. I'm going to figure out a way to make them for you. And this is what Raymond wants. He wants the Saints to be picking, like right in that 16-19 range, one of the key moments in the history of the franchise, at the same time that the Pelicans are tied with 20 seconds to go in the fourth quarter. That's what Raymond wants. Yeah, he wants you to go through that. That's his idea. How evil? That's Ray? his idea. No, uh, Bad unbelievable. Idea. Yeah, we're trying to get a good start time for that Thursday game yeah. six game. The one time, I, the only time I ever want him to play late is Thursday, and then they're going to do it t- the total opposite. I need to go back to the West Coast. That's my takeaway. The the late times are just are not it because on the West Coast, like Sunday night football would wrap up, and I'm like, man, it's eight o'clock. Yes, I've got the whole night. Yeah, it's, so. it's it's it is strange. All right, we got we're out of time. Thank you very much. Y'all have a nice day.